Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Do I even need to ask this morning? I don't think I do, because if you watched Chelsea 2, Arsenal 4 last night, then like me, you are probably in sparkling form this morning. Goals from Eddie Nketiah. Emil Smith-Rowe and a late penalty from Bakayo Saka sealed the deal for the Gunners. And what was a, a mad night at Stamford Bridge, a very enjoyable night in the end. There were ups and downs. It was tense at times. But I think we more than deserved our win. And in the interests of getting this podcast out as quickly as possible and into your ears as quickly as possible, I'm going to eschew any sort of pre-conversation rambling and just get on with it. So with me to talk about the uh, 4-2 win over over Chelsea and Chelsea losing 4-2 by the way that's another uh, part of this which I think is very important also Marcus Alonso being uh, sad and unhappy which feeds my soul oh let me taste your tears mm, your tears are so yummy and sweet oh the tears of unfathomable sadness Yummy. It's Andrew Allen. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. I was not expecting to be in a good mood this morning. <laughs> uh, like you, I wasn't necessarily expecting it either. This uh, this football club, eh? Wow. I mean, yeah, the classic, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in <laughs> scenario. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been such a difficult couple of weeks and going to, you know, one of the most difficult places in the Premier League to win and, and getting a result, not just a result, but actually really doing it with a bit of mm. panache. I mean, you know, it had everything and I'm just, yeah, I'm just sort of over the moon that we're, we're still in with a chance now. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to know where to, to start with this because, you know, I think I can't speak for everyone, right? I can only speak for myself, but I was worried going into this game. I think when you uh, underperform, as we have done in the last three games, and then you're facing Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in the next game, I don't think it's unreasonable to be a little uh, trepidatious about what might happen. And, you know, the we've spoken about injuries. We've spoken about um, absences, our form, you know, players um, who we need at this moment in time who haven't really been in good form, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm looking at their team and I'm thinking – yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty decent team. I know Lukaku has not been doing it of late, but still, you know, this is the kind of game where you go, oh, look at that. We breathe life back into Lukaku just like we breathe life back into the teams that go on a 17-game on a, a run without a win and somehow manage to, to get a, a win against us. And then I'm looking at the, the bench and I'm thinking Pulisic and Ziyech. 
Havertz, Jorginho, and you're going, oh my god, this is <laughs> this is ludicrous. <laughs> the the strength and depth that they have on their bench, and and you're looking at our bench, and you see, okay, Martinelli, like is that Pepe, but also Aziz, Swanson, Hutchinson. It's like ah, this is gonna be this is gonna be very very tough. Um, and I know I joked about this on the preview podcast with Lewis the other day, saying, you know, I wouldn't just I just wouldn't put it past us to go to Stamford Bridge and win. But it was very much a sort of hope rather than expectation kind of thing. Maybe if I say it out loud, it might happen. So um, as such, I'm taking all the credit for this win. <laughs> I mean, we <clears throat> we have played a series of games against Chelsea where I've come into them thinking we have absolutely no chance, you know. Mm. The, the FA Cup final under Wenger, the FA Cup final under Arteta. Um, you know, yesterday was another example. The the, the Boxing Day uh, win mm. at, at, at the Emirates was another one where we were, we were in a kind of sensationally bad run. Um, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, it's just a sort of team that suddenly, you know, is able to sort of get some... We're able to sort of get ourselves going against occasionally. I, it, it, as you say, I mean, it was, it was genuinely... Um, unexpected i think more than anything because there was just a sense of gung-ho let's go there was some decisiveness i mean it was just a it was a bit of a mad game to be honest yeah. the first five ten minutes i was watching it and i was like oh my god like is it gonna, is it going to stay like this because both teams were really scruffy both teams were really pressing you couldn't quite tell what shape the managers were trying to get their players to to to, to play um and and it, it it just had this kind of like it just washed over you. Um, it was kind of a serious sort of Premier League encounter. You know, both sets of fans were going at each other from the from the get go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was just it was just fantastic. You lo- you got to love nights like that. You do when you come out on top. Um, not course, necessarily yeah. not necessarily if it goes the other way. But I know exactly what you mean. There was like a uh, an element or an undercurrent of chaos or something, whatever it might be. And you know, I, I thought it was quite interesting and and hilarious. And we might uh, talk about Thomas Tuchel's uh, pissiness uh, after the fact um, and the interviews that he gave uh, to Sky and also in his press conference. But he talked about the pitch, and like he said, I, people will say I'm not making excuse or I'm making excuses, but it's not that. He said it's it's a difficult pitch, but I do think, as hilarious as that is, there, there's probably something to that, given the amount of times that players fell over and slipped over, and and more than once it happened to Arsenal at a key moment where we could have really sealed the game a bit earlier. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but there was something about the pitch, and there was something about. Uh, a carelessness, if you want to call it that, on on both sides early on. I know we brought in two players in Mohamed Elneny and Rob Holding who haven't played a great deal of late. So you can understand, if not necessarily excuse, a certain amount of rustiness. But we gave the ball away in difficult positions, you know, in our own half. And I'm thinking... My goodness! If we keep doing this, we're we're going to get punished sooner rather than later. Um, and it it happened that Chelsea were punished first for some carelessness at the bank. So I think that feeds into what you're talking about: this kind of um, chaos, weirdness, whatever it is that created this spectacle, which ultimately turned out to be extremely enjoyable from an Arsenal perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Arsenal came in knowing that the game actually might suit them a little bit if it did turn into a kind of mad scrappy affair because we've got players who can who can run on the break and we know that we're quite good on the counter when we you know our passing game is mm. on point and stuff um chelsea just i think 
you know, off the back of winning a semi-final at the weekend, I think there was a certain element of they came into the game and, you know, they've, they've got a bit of a buffer on us, but they also know that they can't catch Liverpool and, and, mm. and, and uh, Manchester City. I did not a sense of arrogance about them, but I did sense that this wasn't, you know, priority fixture number one in their kind of mindset. You know, they started pretty sloppy, I thought, but, you know, obviously we we kind of brought them on to us as well with some of the nature of our passing. Um, and it was really a case of, you know, as with always, always with this Arsenal team, it's like, can we get a goal first just to boost our confidence? And I think in that respect, like Eddie actually taking that first chance that he had completely changed the game, not just for us, but also for him personally, because I think he took so much confidence from that. Um, mm. He sort of played like a man possessed um, in that first <laughs> half. I mean, I've never seen him attempt more shots. I dare say that the goal he ended up scoring was probably one of the you know goals he scored from the furthest out in his entire time at Arsenal. I think that's even true. It was yeah, one on one with the goalkeeper. Um, but he he had what uh, three four attempts in that first half. There was a, a you know another curler that just went wide. There was an attender that was attempted. I mean, just um, you know probably one of the best games he's he's. I mean, I say probably one of the best games he's played for us. I'd say I dare say it is the best game he's played for Arsenal, especially in a proper big game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's fair. He he played like a man who listened to an Ian Wright podcast just before the game, if you, if you ask me. Uh, I think Orbino has the stat about how it is. Certainly the uh, the furthest goal out he scored. Uh, let me see. I should have it here. One second. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, at 16.3 yards, that's the furthest out Eddie Nketiah has ever scored for Arsenal, beating his previous long distance of 9.7 yards. And look, to be fair to him, he's come close in recent weeks. There was that, that curler against Crystal Palace, which yeah. would have shattered all records in terms of distance. But, <laughs> you know, I, I thought there was something interesting about the way that he... I mean, talk about him in general. We'll talk about the goal specifically as well. But, you know, this week... You listen to it and I listen to it. And I'm sure many of the people um, listening to this also listen to Eddie and Keddie, Eddie and Keddie's interview with the Beautiful Game podcast, which I thought was very good. Uh, he came across really well. Um, and one of the things that he said was like, okay, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not at the level. He didn't say this, but he's paraphrasing. But he was sort of saying, well, look, I can understand if people think I'm, you know, not the guy or whatever it is. But like, how can you judge if you don't get any kind of a run in the team if you don't get four, five, six games in a row and you don't score? If you don't score, okay, hold your hands up and say, look, I got to do something else with this. But on the second start that he's got in a week, he really took his chance and. I don't know what it means for his future. And I think we can get ahead of ourselves sometimes when we, a player puts in a good performance and we're like, give him a new deal straight away. You know, he could be very useful to us. You know, whereas, you know, uh, an hour before the game, nobody's saying anything like that. But um, it felt like the kind of game where he really wanted to make a mark. He spoke on that podcast about, you know, whatever happens at the end of the season, he's here to help the team um, achieve its goals. And that that rang true to me, and it certainly rang true in terms of his performance last night. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's funny what you say about um, you know giving him a new deal off the back of a, a good performance. I mean, he's he's just running to the end of a five year contract that's yeah. given to him immediately after he scored two goals on his debut. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he he said afterwards. I mean, he did sort of play with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. Obviously, Chelsea had released him when he was fourteen. He'd mm. spent a good few years there. 
Um, he really looked like a guy who enjoyed scoring that that first goal against them. Um, his all round game, I just think, was was very very you know compared to some of the lethargic running that um, Lacazette's done recently, there was a real energy about the way he snapped into challenges. I have to say, I thought his hold up play was pretty good as well. Um, I think he hugely benefited from not having to go up against Antonio Rudiger, who yeah. was missing through. Um, uh, I think it was a groin injury, and you know, as soon as I saw that, I thought, "Oh, there's a there's a chink of hope for us," because I know that Christensen's what heading off to Barcelona, and he's a very good player in his own right, but he's not he's not the same level, I don't think. Head's gone, head's gone. He's on the beach, yeah. and on the and, Ramblers. And, and, yeah, exactly. I mean, and and Eddie was um, he was just a he was a physical presence. I mean, as I said before, he he took that chance. I mean, he scored a, a number of goals in in the last few years where he's taken advantage of a defensive lapse or yeah. he's forced a defensive lapse. And I think that is a, you know, that's a, a huge thing to his game to have, um, to be able to kind of anticipate where a mistake might make, might happen and, and, and carry and, and make the decisive kind of, you know, strike at the end of it. That's, that's really, yeah. that's something which I can see Arteta loves. Even against Southampton at the weekend, our best chance of the game early on came from Enkedia intercepting a ball or reading the, the ball, uh, mm. winning it high up the pitch. Martinelli to Saka and Saka unfortunately couldn't uh, find the finish uh, it was a good save obviously but I, I know what you're talking about there and, and look um, I, I don't want to turn this into a, a compare and contrast situation but I don't think we score that goal with Alexander Lacazette up front he doesn't do that kind of running I don't think he's capable of doing that kind of running I don't think he's got the pace even to to yeah. to finish the way that Enkedia finished I mean I think Probably the goalkeeper is a little bit hesitant. Could he have come out? I'm not quite sure. I need to watch it again properly. But, you know, he was there. He was chasing down. He anticipated the potential for a mistake, took the ball on. Really, really good finish. And, you know, 1-0 away from home at Stamford Bridge is is a good place to to sort of kick things off. 1-0. Steady the ship. Yeah. Keep it tight. Keep it tight for know. the next 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. And uh, and then go from there. And obviously that just did not happen. It was just the mm. nature of the game, I guess. But I mean, I don't know if I was particularly surprised by the fact that Chelsea grabbed a, a kind of quick equaliser, but it was incredibly frustrating seeing it basically come off. Was it Xhaka's arse? It was quite hard to tell on the replay, actually. I think it was Xhaka's arse that basically kind of deflected it beyond yeah. Ramsdale. Um, I mean, it was just kept giving the ball away in stupid areas, you know, and that yeah. was that was another example. Well, that was, that was that was the first thing I thought of when that when that goal went in was like, okay, we've got to be more secure. And I think it was it was actually Eddie with a layoff to Xhaka, which wasn't great, and and they took it off. I mean, there was a lot of criticism for Aaron Ramsdale on the uh, on the punditry last night on, on Sky Sports. Um, I have some sympathy because I do think it takes a, a wicked kind of deflection. It goes around Rob Holding, who I think is right in his way. I don't think he sees it until until very late. Um, mm. So it's unfortunate, but you know it's it's a goal. I think when you look at it, if we'd been more secure with the ball in our own half, which wasn't you know what we did uh, for um, quite a while in that first half, you're always going to get punished. You will mm. get punished at this level, and when you've got a team like Chelsea and players as good as Chelsea have, you know you're really asking for trouble in in that sense. So. 
I mean, at that point in the game, uh, you know, I think I said to you that, you know, Mount was running things. Um, mm. You know, he was pulling the strings, he was playing balls from deep, he was getting into pockets of space. And I don't think we necessarily dealt with that particularly well in the early stages. But then obviously we kind of, we obviously shifted shape as well. Yeah. I mean, there was this weird tactical battle that seemed to be going on that started before it even, you know, before kickoff. I mean, the, you know, they were quizzing both managers um, Sky were quizzing both managers about what formation was going to happen and Tuchel was absolutely certain it was going to be a five and then Arteta was like, well, you'll see when it's on the pitch and obviously we did start with a five and then we kind of quickly changed to a four and then, you know, in the blur of the game it became really difficult to figure out if there was any shape at all going mm. on. Um, that's an interesting aspect of this game, I think, that's probably not going to be discussed a great deal in that, you know, we can talk about the quality of... of some of the goals that we scored. I mean, Tuchel going, yeah, we scored three own goals. It's like, oh, come on, mate, fuck off. You know, I, I know you made mistakes, but we still had to, we still had to work hard to get those goals. Um, but that, that, that tactical shifting, and he talked about it afterwards, Arteta, about needing to be flexible in the game. Um, and I think that part of it is probably not going to get discussed hugely because we can talk about the character. We can talk about, um, you know, the way that we scored the goals. We can talk about individual performances and, and everything else. But I think that's an interesting part of, of the way that we played. We started one way, um, shifted to a back four. I really like James's tweet when we went ahead. James said, how are we going to bring Rob Holding on now? Uh, and the, and we did that by bringing Cedric on um, a bit later in the game, going back to a back three slash back five. I think it was much more a back five in the second part of the game than a back three in the first part of the game. But it does speak to work that's being done on the training ground and the players knowing their roles and knowing their jobs. And I know Chelsea scored twice and everything else, but... Uh, I think when we're talking about the development of this team, we don't really or, or very often discuss it on a on a tactical level. And it's not always easy to do it. Like, you can't really discuss the tactics when you lose three games in a row to Palace, Brighton, Southampton. Um, but it's much more interesting to think about them uh, after a game like this. Yeah, and I think... I think there were a couple of things that really pleased Arteta. One, I think he knew it was a big deal for him personally getting one over Tuchel um, just on the tactical front. I think he really felt that, you know, he was going to be tested personally. And, and, and Tuchel, after the game, kind of admitted that he had got some things wrong in response to what Arsenal were doing. But Arteta was obviously very, very pleased with the way that a very young squad during the game were able to kind of amend what they were doing be flexible as you say mm. and he kind of he definitely pinpointed that after the game when he was talking about it um he said we tried to simplify it as much as possible but it was still complicated because it was an attack to something and defending it was high it was to do something and deep it was to do something and deep it was to do something so there was these constant change of game states where they'd obviously prep the players but once they're on the pitch, they have to be able to some you know mm. figure that out themselves when to sort of implement the the, the amendments and um, you know that was a that was a, a an interesting. I mean, just, I've got to be honest. You know, when you're sitting there as a fan and you're watching the game, you're not taking in all of those 
intricacies necessarily because there's just so much going on and you're nervous and you know especially if you're writing a match report you're <laughs> half looking at a screen at the same time and um but it, it, it I, th- I felt like it was it was it was a big deal for arteta personally sure. he's coming you know for a lot of criticism recently you know he, he maybe overthought the the brighton game where he put in uh Xhaka at left back and 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 the last couple of day- games he's obviously trusted Tavares, who i think a bit like holding and now, Nenny was a little bit rusty, <laughs> uh, gave the ball away. He's just a sort of, um, you know, he's chaos personified, his old Nuno. But um, It's like the Yaya uh, Sonogo of fullbacks, in a way. You just don't quite know what it is. And, like, fair play to him. He worked so yeah. hard last night. He really did. And, um, you know, there are moments where you look at him and you think, oh, you've got so much to learn from a defensive point of view even just positioning or awareness and things like that I'm not being critical of him because he put in a real shift and I think he was involved in two of the goals so Mm. I'm not not being critical but I I I was watching it last night at times thinking I kind of get why uh, Arteta is cautious with him Mm. you know I I understand it when I see it but um, you know it felt like kind of the perfect night for him in a way. If we talk about the chaos factor that was there, he certainly contributed. He just sort of blended in a little bit to it all, which yeah. I think, you know, it really helped him. I mean, the first time I really watched him closely was against AFC Wimbledon in the League Cup. And I looked at him that night and I just thought he's got this sort of roadrunner element where he almost plays as a as a winger sometimes. Mm. And you watch him going up and down the wing and he can absolutely frighten the hell out of an opponent defender. But you know, he doesn't always get back into position. I mean, last night, I think he'll really benefit from the fact that he was part of a win. Uh, he's had a kind of yeah. run for quite a long time where he's made appearances in games where we've not necessarily got the results. And that can probably take a bit of a toll on your confidence personally, as well as obviously being the the focal point of a lot of criticisms from supporters and whatnot. Yeah. So, um I mean, there was, you know, that's definitely a big win for for Arteta. Going into the rest of the season, knowing he's now got a left back who who's done something good in a, in a in a big game. I mean, yeah. he did make me laugh, Nuno, a couple of times last night. I mean, there, there was the the shot the shot that was went wide, and then there was the other one where he basically hoofed the ball back into North London. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that was know. as much time wasting as a shot. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. It was like get yeah. this fucking ball as far away from our goal as I can, even if it means it's going down. I mean, uh, it was a the decent stadium. Kieran Tierney kind of impression at that point because Kieran's known to do that. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't even remember where we are. We were discussing the we game. Were, we were sort of we've we've um, shifted from tactics to Nuno Tavares, which I think we're um, embracing the chaos aspect of all of this yeah. ourselves. Uh, and no maybe, structure. maybe, yeah, maybe we'll just. Uh, <clears throat> Give a shout out to, to Lewis Ambrose, who might be able to look at this game from a tactical perspective and, and do something with it, or we'll talk about it on the preview podcast tomorrow. But let's let's crack on with this, because it's 1-1. And I think if you're Arsenal at the moment and you go ahead at Stamford Bridge and you think, ooh, and then you concede a goal pretty much straight away, you might be going, oh, God, oh shit. all the doubts might come back in. But, you know, what was great about it was we didn't let the heads go down. We continued to play some quite nice stuff. Uh, I think Enkedia had a, a, a miss kick which went just wide. Um, mm-hmm. After a good move down the right-hand side, Saka basically 
destroyed Marcus Alonso, which is one of the things that I like to see most in the world, people uh, taking that man um, to pieces, uh, figuratively, of course, uh, but I would not be against it literally also. Um, so I think we we didn't let the concession of the goal impact us negatively from a psychological perspective, which I think is really telling. Um, but then let's talk about this second goal, because it's actually an extraordinarily good goal, despite the fact it starts off with a little bit of Rob Holding rustiness, where he's not in position to, to pick up a pass. Chelsea get into our box. I think he's a little bit like, oh, fuck, I'm here. What am I going to do? <laughs> and Granit Xhaka just comes in and goes, hang on a second, guys. It's me, Granit, to the rescue, and picks up the ball in our box. I think he nutmegs Lukaku. Then he nutmegs Alonso, hurrah, on the edge of our box to spark a counter-attack. He gives the ball then, uh, he drives into midfield, gives it to Odegaard, Odegaard to Saka, Saka back to Odegaard, Odegaard square for Smith-Rowe. And I have to say, those finishes are among my favourite in the world, where a player just gives it enough pace and enough precision to put it beyond the goalkeeper even if you look at it and think, why hasn't the goalkeeper saved that? But he just can't. There's no possible way he can save that shot. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was like a five-a-side finish. He just sort of walked into the ball, just caressed it. There was sort of no break in the stride. Mm. And, and you just sort of watched it. And by the time I think uh, Mendy had even realised it was past him. And, oh, it was beautiful. But, I, I mean, I have to say, I mean, as you as you mentioned at the beginning of that, I mean... We, it was a suicidal 10 seconds in our own box where almost every player looked like they were going to get caught with the ball at their feet three yards from goal. Um, but I guess that's kind of, that's that's how we play now. And we've been sort of trying that tactic for a few years, you mm. know, if you can break through the lines and all the rest of it. I don't know necessarily in that instance how much of that was planned, but I mean, Jacker <laughs> keeping his head was brilliant. I thought Erdogan had one of those nights where he was, you know, the the, the quiet brilliance was there he was very tidy on the ball he, yeah you know he that's a really good around, way of putting it yeah the quiet brilliance thought that was excellent he he um he he's very good at kind of knowing when another player's on form <clears throat> excuse me it's the uh the early morning croakiness. Yeah, i get it he's, he's very good at um knowing exactly when another player's on form and, and Saka in that he knew Saka had Alonso and it was kind of there was a period of about five ten minutes where it was give Saka the ball let Saka go at Alonso mm. and um, I think the rest of the team knew that Saka was clearly enjoying himself um, you know I think he made it made a thing of going past Alonso a few times and um, yeah I mean I, I have to say I thought I thought Smith Rowe by and large up to that point had been quiet you know most of his work was done trying to buzz around and, and win the ball back which was a very important part of what we were doing last night but he um you know he's he's sort of slipping into one of those sort of i don't know i'm trying to think i mean Perez did it i guess as well you know you play quiet 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 and then almost to the point where everyone forgets you're there and then you just sort of run onto a ball like yeah. that stroke it home um but it was his best game and most impactful for, for a while. Mm. Um, you know, I've been a little bit worried. I think the club are obviously concerned about him nursing whatever injury he's he's got. They've been very, very careful with him, quite clearly <clears throat> not wanting to, to, to put too many minutes in his legs. Um, but he was he was great last yeah. night. I mean, 
you know th- that that was another goal you know that was, that was made in Hayland really and um, yeah yeah I mean, I mean it's it was, I mean that's his eleventh goal of the season um, you know Saka as you say was um, involved and obviously got on the score sheet and we'll come to that um, you know the 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 other two obviously scored by by Eddie and and these are the moments I think where you look at this team you look at the potential of these young players and and for Smith Rowe and for Saka both to be in double figures at the age of 21 and 20 um, in the Premier League is is fantastic you know because it can take players a while to mature into goal scorers um, particularly when you're wide forwards which they are wide forwards slash midfielder in the in the in the shape of of Smith Rowe but you know, it was a, it's just a brilliant goal. I think it, it will go down probably as one of our one of our goals of the season in terms of the slickness of the passing and and what Shaka did in the box and the quality of the finish and and everything else. And look, Smithrow had another moment, didn't he? Late late in the first half, where he beat three men and curled a shot just wide. And you can see that maybe that little spark that he's been missing in the last couple of games or last couple of months even is is there again. And that's that's really promising. Um, I mean, we should talk about their second goal, Chelsea's second goal, just to acknowledge the fact that it happened. Um, wasn't great from our perspective, from a defensive perspective. I think Ben White was looking for a free kick and they showed a replay, which, uh, yeah, I mean, if we got a free kick, I think it would have been generous. Nuno beaten to it at the near post by Espilicueta, and that's 2-2, and you're thinking, oh, okay, well, this could be... This could be one of those games. You go in halftime 2-2 and you're hoping, well, whichever way it goes, whichever way the goals go, I hope they go our way. So what were you thinking at halftime? I was desperately trying to structure the first half match report because I was sitting there with a page full of notes going, oh my God, like, you know, I've got to rewatch the goals, make sure I get the right people. I mean, it was just, it was just a bit manic. It reminded me of some of those, you know, we've, we've often had games like this at, up at Anfield where it just sort of swings from one way to the other, one way to the other. To be honest, I was thinking to myself, there's, there's points to be taken here. Before the game, I'd have been, you know, I'd, I'd have bitten your hand off for a draw. And I was wondering, you mm. know, if I'm in that situation now, what am I doing? Am I gambling on us going and getting a win or do I just think take the draw? And I think what needed to happen was for the game to settle down. I don't think we could afford for it to continue going back and forth like that. We needed to sort of find our heads. And um, I mean, that it was very, very frustrating to keep conceding straight after yeah. the goals. You know, that was the thing that was doing my nut, really. And it was, you know, can we stop that from happening if we get one more chance? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's kind of the way things played out in the end. Yeah, so the goal came, what, about 11, 12 minutes into the, into the second half. I think Chelsea were careless in possession. Um, Nuno? I mean, that, that, that goal had had Arsenal written all over it. It was... I just, yeah, you know, I can see why Tuchel was going mad after the game about sort of individual errors because, you know, he's brought on Thiago Silva, who's made a half decent challenge on 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 Enketia after Enketia has received the ball from Tavares down the left, and then is it Ismaila? Is it Saar? Yeah, I think I, I so. I, I couldn't tell if it was Saar or I think it was Saar who who just yeah, sort just of suddenly gave it back it, to him. Saar and Kante yeah. got it mixed up. Yeah. They they were all over the shop in that particular you know moment and fair play to Eddie I mean he kind of 
did what he does mm. best, which is when he's in the box, it's just kind of pounce and he scores a lot of scruffy, untidy goals, but you can't you can't complain. I think at that point I kind of, you know, remark, fuck me, Eddie's <laughs> turned into Ian Wright, you know. Um which is exactly what you need. You need you need someone in the box, which is what we've been so often lacking in the last few Sounds months. so simple when you say it, doesn't it? You know, but but you're you're often rewarded just for persistence or just being there or like it falls to you in the box like if you're not if you're not in you can't win as the old saying goes you know so um just just having a bit of presence even if you know i don't even want to talk about uh, the long term or anything like that just having that presence in the box help bring about that goal absolutely yeah i mean i think on a night when chelsea looked a bit panicked at the idea that they were going to be under pressure what they needed was someone to to do exactly that and to mm. stick around there and you know, I, I have to say in that particular instance really good pass by Tavares into into Eddie who I thought initially yeah. took the ball quite well um but yeah just persistence for you know or, or luck paying off for the persistence and I mean a little little toe poked finish it was kind of you know nicely found it was mm. it's the type of finish you just produce when you've been in scoring those types of goals your entire career I think and um yeah I mean good on him again you're kind of thinking at that point like right let's let's go five ten minutes without conceding this yeah. time um which and, we did which yeah we did. and actually we, we we did and we looked as the five ten minutes uh passed there was only one real i think opportunity for chelsea where we had a bit of kind of ramsdale gabriel and um uh, holding seemed to kind of manage mm. to combine to clear the ball but after that we suddenly started to look quite good I yeah thought. i mean that was in the 65th minute i remember there was a cross from the right hand side and rams it took a deflection and ramsdale got down to it there was a bit of a scramble in the box we got it clear and i think after that our approach to the rest of the game was quite apparent. It was like sit in, sit deep, defend, don't give Chelsea space, um, deal with the crosses, deal with whatever they're going to throw at us. They obviously made changes. They brought on Havertz and Ziyech, um, you know, a lot of quality to, to bring off the bench. We had, uh, as I said earlier, we brought on Cedric and we'd gone back to a back three, which was much more of a back five than it was and like if you look at certain as certain passages of play in the in the in the second half you know there are we're just sitting deep and we've got every man behind the ball and we're looking to hit them on the counter attack but you know I'm I'm struggling to think of despite the fact I was feeling very tense I'm not going to lie and say oh, oh this was easy I was feeling quite tense because you know one moment or one slip or one one bit of quality from the opposition can can change the complexion of things but I'm struggling to remember like a clear-cut chance for Chelsea in that period of the game after that little cross uh, fumble scramble thing that we we referenced I don't think there was one I think there was there was maybe one break where we got turned I think Ben White got caught a little bit up the pitch and there was a break down the left and mm. Can't remember who played the ball into the box, but Holding had to make a kind of desperate oh, slide yes. clearance. Which he had, a, went he had out the crampies. He had the crampies afterwards, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was actually. I mean, that was relatively late on by that point. But um, you know, I, I, I have to say credit to Arteta because I, I, eighty-seven I mean, I minutes that was. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, I mean, I, I thought the substitutions actually worked really well. I was a little bit surprised to see Eddie go off as early 
as he did, but mm. I guess it made sense with Martinelli's legs that you, you can put him on the last man and know he'll run and run and run. But I thought Cedric actually did pretty pretty damn well. I mean, he was sort of really giving you an extra option up yeah. on that right flank, you know, charging up and down the way, which really, given the game state, worked massively in our, uh, in our favour. I mean, there were a few times when he could have done better, I think, on the ball. Um, some of his decision making wasn't amazing, but mm. um, you know the fact that he was there and putting in a shift and 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 we were kind of targeting a lot of our attacks down that right hand side. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that was good. So fair play to Cedric, fair play for Arteta. Yeah, no, I I, I thought the the changes worked actually. I was a little bit worried. Um, you know, just adding to the tension when you mm. when you absolutely say, okay, we're bringing Cedric on now. It's like, okay, we're going to sit throw what you've got at us and we'll we'll try and deal with it and we'll try and hit you on the counter. But I did mention earlier on there were moments where, and Cedric was involved in a couple of them, where we could have had the fourth goal earlier than we did, but for, mm. uh, like you say, final ball wasn't quite there. There was one when Saka, I think the ball was coming across him and he was going to turn, but he slipped and then got knocked over in the box, mm. um, which I, you know... Uh, Maybe it's not um, something that the referee should look at, but he did absolutely get bundled over in the box, even though he had he'd already slipped. Um, I think there was was there not? I think there was maybe one one other one um, where uh, I felt like we had another chance to to just be a little bit more. There was one with Martinelli, I think, as well. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, it was the one where Cedric had Martinelli charging into the, the box mm. and he ended up kind of pulling the ball back to the edge of the area where Tavares then took the touch and then right foot kind shot, of yeah. s- slashed it wide when I think there were a couple of other players who were maybe in better positions. But yeah, I mean, in that in that instance, you know, it looked like we were definitely the more likely to, to score another goal. Yeah. Um, no, I think so. I think so. And, and look, we got the... We got the fourth in the end, a penalty. Um, just before we get on to the penalty, I mean, I do think, um, and, and look, we've had our issues with referees and VAR. I think Chelsea were lucky last night um, to have 11 men on the pitch at the end of the game, regardless of what Tuchel says about their mistakes. I think Mount on Tavares in the first half is a yellow card. For sure, he's got studs into um, Tavares's shin, and then he played the like hard man standing over him, little weasel face prick that he is. Um, that could have been a a yellow card, and certainly the the challenge that he put in was it on who was it on uh, Cedric maybe? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I mean, that's a borderline red card. To me, I think it would be, I mean, the old if that was Granite Shaka scale, but he didn't even get a yellow card for that. So that would have been his second yellow. And Saar, who had already been booked, that moment where um, I think it was the chance that we already discussed with Cedric, where he was mm. really strong, but but it was a very obvious foul by Saar. And he was saved by Cedric's, if not quite honesty, his desire to get forward and, and pick up on that loose ball and try and play a pass to, to get us a goal. Mm. I mean, he got away with that one. So Chelsea could have had um, at least one red card last night. Um, but the penalty, to me, no question. No question about it. They were, uh, I, I thought it was hilarious, actually. Hasselbank on, on Sky Sports going, no, it's not a penalty. 
look, uh, Saka's got Aspilicueta's arm, and you're going, well, he's got Aspilicueta's arm because Aspilicueta has basically pulled him back around the shoulders. What do you expect him to do? What would you, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, have done in that situation when you were a player? Exactly the fucking same thing Saka did. 100% a penalty for me. I mean, Azpilicueta was just not even facing the the right direction. Yeah. I mean, there was there was no way that he was kind of going to be able to to stop Saka by legal means, given the way he was facing. It yeah. Was, it was a total mess on his part, and I think you know when Saka was asked about it after the game, he goes, "I understand why he's angry, but like he was holding me for about five seconds. I had to go down." Yeah. Um, and. You know, he he did that. I mean, it was the sensible it was the sensible thing from Saka to do. Actually, I thought that you know it showed in, in in game intelligence. You know, yeah, I'm in a good position. I can see the ball's coming. I'm trying to get to the ball. I'm being grappled. I might be doing some grappling myself, but go down. If it has to be a little bit sly, I don't even think it was that sly. Yeah, I think it was. You know, just it was it was ultimately necessary. Um, do it and. You know, I, it, it proved to be the the. I mean, it was hilarious watching the melee that kind of took place after. Yes. I was trying to figure out exactly what is going on here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know that Aspilicueta is sort of screaming blue murder, but I mean, Gabriel came charging in and picked up our only booking of the game, which was pretty mm. impressive given you know the way it played out. Um, but yeah, I mean, all of the players were bundling in there and. Um, uh, always fun to see, especially when you know it's wasting time right at the end. Yes. And you're thinking to yourself, even if we miss this, hopefully the clock will be you know pretty much down yeah, to yeah, you know, yeah. zero seconds and stuff. So. No, I enjoyed that aspect of it. I, I liked uh, Granite Shaka as peacemaker. I enjoyed that that part of it. But I like Gabrielle coming and getting involved. And like you say, when you have an incident like that, when you have a moment like that, it's a small thing and maybe it's heat of the moment and maybe it's not as predetermined as I like to think it is. But it's the sort of thing that you absolutely should do in those circumstances is to, like, kick up a fuss. You don't want to get players sent off or anything like that. But what I'm talking about is just the disruptive nature of that kind of stuff. You know, like you say, if the penalty hadn't gone in, you eat up a load of time. Maybe the referee would have added some on. But it just causes this this angst or anxiety among uh, the the opposition that I think is very useful to you in those circumstances. So I was really pleased to see that. Um, What did you think when the penalty was given? Who did you think was going to take it? I think think the camera showed that Martinelli went and grabbed the ball um, before the melee took place. I'm I'm almost certain that he thought he was going to, going to take it. And then by the time that the dust settled on the situation, unless it was one of those situations where one player goes to take it, thinking that they're going to distract all of the, you know, the opposition players. Mm. We've seen that before, haven't we recently where one player takes the heat off the guy who's actually going to take it by holding onto the ball and taking the barrage of abuse. And then the other guy just takes it off him. But I don't know if that was particularly predetermined. I mean, judging by Arteta's comments afterwards, he said he thought, Martinelli was going to be taking it. He was very surprised that Saka stepped up. (laughs) He said that his first, you know, he couldn't help but think back to the summer immediately when he saw that Saka had the ball. Um, I think we all did. I think we all did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, how could you not? I mean, he's he's not taken another penalty since that moment. Um, Obviously, high pressure situation. Uh, And, 
I mean, he, he just about pulled it off, didn't he? I mean, I didn't actually realise until after the game when you told me mm. um, that there was this very, very small slip that could have easily ended up in a John Terry situation. Um, yeah, but, you know, you get what you deserve. Um, and John Terry deserved to slip in the Champions League final. And Bakayo Saka absolutely did not deserve it uh, based on his performance last night. And, like, if you want to bring it back to what happened in the Euro 2020 final, you know, the bravery he showed, all the shit that he had to deal with, um, you know, mm. from a even from simply a sporting perspective, knowing how important that penalty kick was to his team and his country. But, of course, the fallout from it and, and uh, you know, the 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 negative side of that it must have been in his mind when he was uh, over that penalty last night and look maybe it's slightly different when you're three two up and you're you're going to make it four two rather than it being two two and this is a chance to to win the game but I was delighted for him I thought he deserved the goal based on his performance I'm glad to see that you know at 20 years of age he's I mean, look, if he's willing to take the final penalty in a penalty shootout for England in a major tournament final, why wouldn't he be up for taking a penalty for Arsenal in a game against Stamford Bridge? It sounds kind of reductive, but, you know, we've seen better players and bigger players and more established players, perhaps, than Bakayo Saka in the past get really badly affected by a penalty miss to the point where they don't want to take them anymore. So... For him to just stand up there, do that, slot it away, and then you know seal the deal on what was a brilliant night for Arsenal, I was you know absolutely chuffed for him. Yeah, chapeau, as Arteta said in the um, <laughs> in the post game press conference, he kind of really paid tribute to the courage that was needed to, to do mm. that. Um, and look, I mean, uh, given uh, given how few penalties we we get, it's <laughs> you can understand why the players would be kind of scavenging for the opportunity between them to take one. Um, also, nice goal bonus uh, opportunity for for Bukayo there as well. You, know, you reckon really that's what he was thinking? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's just yeah, thinking yeah, an extra yeah. few grand in the bank balance. Obviously, the yeah. I'll get the yeah, get yeah. the car wrapped or get some new upholstery. <laughs> you know, maybe I'll buy a nice settee this weekend oh, with the bonus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, footballers are very cynical like that. You know. This is why we got rid of Aubameyang. <laughs> he ran out of cars to wrap and stuff. That was the thing. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I think, you know, to, to, to end the game that way just gave it that little bit of extra um, enjoyment. It was like icing on the cake kind of stuff, wasn't it? Um, because I, oh, I think yeah. at that point, it was like, I think we could win this one now. When we get to like 93 minutes or whatever it is, I'm going, I think we might, I think we might just hang on here to this one. But then to, to absolutely seal the deal, to see the, uh, the scenes at the end with Aspilicueta and the Chelsea fans and all that kind of stuff, uh, hilarious. The, the the few Chelsea fans who were there. I mean, I, I don't I don't know whether it was. I mean, I always wonder sometimes about the way that they place the microphones and 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 mm. the, the the sound that happens in the stadium and what you hear at home and whether it's sort of in on a par and stuff. But the Arsenal fans sounded an incredible voice last night, Unreal. throughout from the get go, taunting the Chelsea fans. You know, like you know, there's nobody here. There's nobody here. Just like the old days, there's nobody here. And <laughs> You know, some very pointed comments about a few of the Chelsea players, um, yeah. which we probably don't need to go into. No, everyone uh, heard them because they yeah. they they were loud and they were they were brilliant. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, you know, after three away games and, you know, I know people who, oh, sorry, not three away games, but three defeats and, and a couple of those being away from home, 
you know, it's very nourishing for the soul as if you're an away fan, I guess, to, to be able to enjoy a massive win like that. It kind of reminds you why you put yourself through all of the, the hassle and the, you know, everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was just, it was just great. And, and more, you know, what it does now is just set us up for Saturday because I think it was quite possible heading in if we'd lost that, that, that Saturday's match against United, which is one I still think, you know, we're, we're, we're favourites to win given the way United are playing. It was about setting the tone of the atmosphere. Um, and I know now that Saturday is going to be rocking, even though mm. it's an early kickoff. Yeah, I mean, just, just bringing it back to the fans, and I know that the the performance and you know what we did and scoring goals and winning the game in some ways uh, informs the, if you want to call it, the performance of of the fans. But I'm 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 interested in the idea that, like, despite the three games, the backing for the team was still really, really strong, you know, and... And, and the manager. And the, and the manager, yeah, that's... You know, they were singing his name throughout, and, you know, he rightly has had questions to answer in the last little while. But I, I find that aspect of it quite, quite interesting, that there is, uh, despite what... Um, you might feel or despite what some people might try and convince you of this connection that we've discussed more than once throughout this season that has developed between the team and the fans is very very real and that nights like last night while they might be extraordinary and it might have been a chaotic game and it might have been just a mad night if you want to call it that I think the fact that this team can do that is what keeps me on the on the side of like okay there is something really happening here and i know we have our bumps in the road and i know the last few weeks have been really disappointing and really disheartening and maybe you know come the end of the season we'll look back on those three games and absolutely rue them even more but when i think about what we need to do and where we need to go and how we need to progress it's those performances that that you know, if you told people before the game, and I'm sure many people on Twitter, I mean, my least favorite thing in the world um, is the hour between team announcement and the actual game on Twitter, which I just basically switch off now because I can't, I just can't deal with it. But I think if, and I'm sure many people commented this, like, oh, Arsenal are going to Stamford Bridge, are they with El Nenny and Enkedia up front and, and holding in there? Pfft, yeah, right. You know, which I get, you know, I get. I understand it, but I don't think you win that game without those players being fucking in there, believing together, what all the buzzwords you want to say, and they might sound like cliches, but I think they're absolutely true. You can't win those games if the if the players aren't on board. Yeah, and I, I think it was really interesting that Arteta went out of his way to to pinpoint not just Del Nenny and holding after the game, but also Nicolas Pepe. So yeah. desperate attempt to try and make everybody, even when they're not involved, feel part of something. Um, and he kind of almost, you know, reverted to, to a line that he kind of used earlier in the season. You know, he talked about it being the best, um, you know, the best week of his coaching career, didn't he? After the, yeah. after the, the defeat to Manchester City, right in, in on August, September. And this time it was, if you see the training session that we had on Sunday after the defeat, if you see Mo Elneny, Rob Holding, Nicholas mm. Pepe, how they trained, I think it's the reason why we won. 
Um, I mean, obviously, it's the easy time. It's an easy type of thing to say after the game, but sure. the point is that he's trying to involve everyone to keep everybody on the boat um, at a time when a few of them can rightly feel quite disappointed by the lack of minutes this season. I think, um, particularly Pepe, who has completely kind of fallen out of favour. It would seem. Yeah. Um, and we've got such a massive six six games left now, and it's possible that. Any at any moment a player could go down injured, and we we might need to call on these guys to deliver the goods. I mean, I think what we've seen with Eddie is it's you've got to be able to you do need football to be able to get up to speed, and yeah. maybe this season if Arteta looks back, partly because of the nature of a lot of the games, we've not been able to give players. 10 15 minutes here and there at the end of games or we've chosen not to or yeah. we've had to make decisions for tactical reasons as opposed to just keeping people you know involved and on the pitch um it's it's um think, yeah sorry go on no no i just i just think i think as his as the team develops and as he as a manager develops he might sort of realize that you you kind of have to play a long game with some of those substitutes Does it sound i don't know if that sounds weird no i know i know exactly what you mean it's like okay <clears throat> do i make a, a risky sub or whatever it is in a game and i know um people have talked about the lack of european football this season and said well you know it could be a benefit to arsenal because we don't play very much we've got time on the training ground we can prepare we can be fresh but you're there's a difference between training fresh and match fresh you know and, you know, one of the aspects of a, a non-European season is that a lot of players don't play anywhere near as much as you might need them to. Um, and when it comes to the business end of the season, when injuries hit, when suspensions kick in and you need those, in inverted commas, fringe players to come in, they are going to need a bit of time to, to get up to the levels. So um, I think it's, it's, you know, I think you always want to be in Europe, but I think there are reasons why. Europe is beneficial beyond the obvious. It's that your squad, um, you can utilize it more because you're going to have to change. You're going to have to make changes for European games. You're going to have to make changes for subsequent um, Premier League games, you know, when you get back to the weekend from from whatever it is you've done in midweek. So, um, yeah. Um, we're six games out from the end of the season. Level with six? Spurs. Right. Um I mean, I, I, I tried to make a load of predictions, you know, privately totted up <laughs> what I thought was going to happen. Don't do it. No predictions. The, no predictions. <laughs> starting with the uh, with the Palace game. And I, I, I've got every single one of those predictions wrong um, yeah. so far. So and, and, and likewise, you know, my predictions for Spurs have been wrong as well. So, okay. uh, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just mad trying to look and, and, and figure out what might happen next in an attempt to try and sense, you know, give yourself some sense of calm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, this was very much a shot in the arm, breathing life back into the season kind of a win and, and ahead of a big game um, on on Saturday against Man United. It's exactly the kind of confidence boost we need, exactly what you need to get the stadium going um, and ready for for what's going to be a difficult game. I know United are, are a bit of a shambles, but you know, sometimes you don't want to face a team that's just had a big defeat and they've had a big defeat, a chastening defeat in midweek to Liverpool. So there's going to be, you know, a reaction from them. Um, 
which hopefully we can we can master. But you know, it's not a foregone conclusion by any means. Um, but just to be back there and to to have the opportunity for this game to to really mean something in the context of this season is is great. And look, all credit to the players, uh, to the manager and his staff last night, to the fans. Um, that was a, a hell of a club performance, if you like. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what more to say about it other than I fucking loved it. Yeah, epic, really. Yeah. And given the timing of the season, everything that's happened before, so needed. Um, it keeps us in with a chance. And yeah, I mean, it's it's it really is everything to play for with six games. I mm. mean, you know, who who would have thought going into those final six games that we'd be you know level on points with Spurs and and, and fighting it out for a Champions League place? Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh God! I, I know. You know, I'm going to need a pacemaker by the end of May. I, think. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I really do. And, and can we just uh, finish off? I think that um, that moment uh, that's been doing the rounds, which I think is quite hilarious. Um, the the Arteta fourth official moment was really quite something as well, wasn't it? Where he thought there was a foul, and the fourth official was explaining, and it was, you know, I don't like to draw the comparison, but it reminded me a bit of Mourinho the way that he might behave on the sidelines. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. He must be a difficult uh, customer to interact with, old Arteta during games. You know, the yeah. the, the fourth officials kind of really take a, a dog's ear abuse, don't they? I mean, it's. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a spiky one, but uh, yeah, I mean it's funny. I think I almost I a lot of that kind of passed me by at the time. Um, it was only afterwards when I sort of sort of picked it up on the on Twitter that I kind of got the opportunity to kind of laugh and chuckle about it. But yeah. Yeah, good fun. Yeah. Good fun. Just uh, moments like that are always great to look back on when you've uh, when you've won a, a yeah, yeah exactly when you've won a good game. All right, well look, uh, we leave it there for now, Andrew. Um, get on with your day. Uh, you don't need a pacemaker for now. We'll we'll see if we can get one for you for the weekend. But uh, for now, we will leave it there. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. We go again on Saturday. Se prepara Bucayo saca para liquidarlo. Viene saca. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. You can find him on Twitter. He is at A. Allen Sport, at A. Allen Sport. That was an enjoyable conversation. I like it when we win. And last night was obviously a very enjoyable performance and result. And let's hope that we can keep things going at the weekend. It is going to be a difficult game, but they're all difficult when it comes to this part of the season. And when you're trying to get yourself into the top four, there are no easy games. So this was great. A nice confidence boost. Take all the positives that need to be taken from it, but focus now completely on the Manchester United game. We will of course be previewing that game over on Patreon. This podcast is going out on Thursday, sort of a post game so it's in place of the Friday Arscast, but we will be previewing the Manchester United game over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash arseblog to remind you every single penny from our Patreon in the month of April is going to be donated to UNICEF to help children around the world impacted by war and conflict so you can sign up, listen to the podcast, listen to all the stuff and know that your money is going to a good cause this month. So join us for that, please. Patreon.com forward slash arsblog. I'm going to get this out to you now as quickly as I can. So we'll leave it there. As ever, thank you very much indeed for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. And fuck Chelsea, man. We start this hour with big breaking news, though. Six more players have been inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame. Selected by the public via an online vote, the players joining Wayne Rooney and Patrick Vieira in this year's class are Ian Wright, Peter Schmeichel, Paul Scholes, Didier Drogba, Vincent Kompany. Ian Wright, Ian Wright, Ian Wright, Wright, Wright. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.